0: <laughs> Will this be part of what's actually in there? Who knows? Who's to say? Honestly,
1: I might start us like 30 minutes from now. That's going to be the start of the podcast. Just, we're in halfway through conversation. I go, hey, welcome to the Daniel It Podcast. <laughs> Shoot, no, not that one. The... <laughs> <laughs> Freaking Chris Leach came up with that title, the Daniel It Podcast. And I was like, you, mm. or was that Greg? I love that and hate that. I know. I'm like, shoot. Now I need another podcast just so I can use that name. It's such a good one. (sighs) It was Greg. He he's the one that did it. But what's this one called? Music currency? That's what I said. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Music currency, like music money, but like also yeah. Currency. Music currency. Yeah. Yeah. Welcome to music. (laughs) I'm not trying to do that. I'm not Ira Glass. (laughs) I'm just gonna have a banner that says the name of the podcast. Cool, that sounds right. Yeah. That sounds good. All right, let's go on and get started then. So this is Connor Husa, my good friend. Known him for b- roughly 20 minutes. And we're the- Just walked in. Off to walked a great in, start. sat down. Definitely haven't known each other just, for what? It's like four, you know, four years. Yeah, because there's no way I met you before yeah, cause I started my master's. So, yeah, you're yeah.
0: going into your fourth year.
1: Yeah, 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 yeah. So just about four years. A great pal. Uh, phenomenal individual and uh the first person on this podcast uh so we're gonna be doing the well technically we already ran a test and no one's gonna hear it probably so there's that Uh and this is the first time yeah the very first time uh... we do this This is first try yeah great success am I right so (laughs) so yeah this podcast since most unless i've already talked to you about it and you kind of have the gist of what it's going to be about uh, which is not entirely what I hope. I hope more than just the 20 people I've talked to about this. Uh, <laughs> 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 but what 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 we're going to do, what's going on, is we're going to talk music stuff because we're both musicians. Uh, we do music, and we have decided it is our passion and life's calling, and uh, un- until we decide we're going to work at a bank or something, we're, we're sticking with it. Uh, but... We're going to talk about just what's going on musically with us, uh, what we see, especially as it comes with, like, music academia, because, like, we're both students. Soon enough, one of us will be done very quickly. Hopefully. We were. <laughs> oh, please. And so, so, but, yeah, we're both music students. I'm doing my doctorate in uh, vocal performance, and Connor's finishing his undergrad undergrad in vocal performance like a true masterful vocalist so we are gonna be what we'll get into that look because the fact that you're like that's not what that means is just it's so on pop it's just right on brand with the whole point yeah. of this podcast um but yeah, so without further ado, I hate saying that phrase. I'm going to say it every episode now, but with- It's a choice. <laughs> I don't want to Strong say it choice. again. Wrong choice. <laughs> yeah. uh, Connor, tell us a little bit about yourself.
0: Uh, hi, I am Connor Husa. I am in my sixth and hopefully final year of my undergraduate degree love at the to University of Nebraska-Lincoln. Uh, I'm a Leo. Uh Leo season. Happy Leo season everyone. Don't know when this is going to come out, but it is it is Leo season and I can feel the main character energy just emanating from what do you me. You mean main character? I'm like, I'm the main character. Like,
1: Cuz Leo is a lion.
0: I hate you. I hate you so much. You said it. Please, happy Leo season. A very important thing about this relationship is that I think every time I see Daniel, uh one of at least once, I just flat out tell him that I hate him because it's valid. Uh, oh, any, I didn't
1: introduce myself as the host. I'm Daniel Apoma.
0: <laughs> We're off to a great start. start. I'm assuming I will,
1: only three people will watch this first episode.
0: Exactly. Uh, I will say that the test episode that we did, Daniel didn't introduce me for a solid 10 minutes. Oh, yeah. <laughs> it, was, it was
1: time. Oof. And gotta make sure to sync the audio too. I forgot about that. Uh, (laughs) You you usually do that before, and really the camera can pick up my speaking, so it wouldn't have been hard. But you saw, (laughs) (laughs) but we've done it, so (laughs) okay. What are we? (laughs) You were just introducing yourself. (laughs) Um, yeah, I don't know what else you want to know. Well, you just said your name's Cotter, and that you're finally, we pray, finishing your undergrad in vocal performance. Yes. So let's go with uh, what what got you into being the musician that you decided you wanted to be? Well, I've always been around music and
0: loved music and theater and performance. Um, I actually, uh, right now with my vocal performance degree, I am focused mainly on opera performance just because maybe we'll get into later, that's kind of the skill set that is taught at most, if not all vocal performance programs. Um, That's the basis is in classical operatic performance. Mm -hmm. Uh, However, my first love of music and performing came through musical theater. Uh, I grew up in, a smaller town of Beatrice Nebraska about an hour south of Lincoln and my dad did work with the community theater there and so like one of my earliest memories is going and seeing him in uh Guys and Dolls where I went to all six performances and the uh invited final dress rehearsal uh and one of my (laughs) uh on opening night I fell down a flight of stairs uh Daniel has some recognition of this because I did tell him this at <laughs> one point in the last Test podcast, and it's still shocking. I fell down a flight of stairs. Um, more slid, like I didn't get hurt anything. Like a head of, over
1: heels tumble, like yeah,
0: yeah. that kind of thing. Just kind of a slide, but mm-hmm. still down an entire flight of stairs at home. Were these carpeted stairs, I'm assuming? Yes. Ah, that's why. Yeah. Um oh, and yeah. <laughs> uh <laughs> I I did like a once over check to see if I was injured uh found nothing didn't really hurt uh and so i didn't tell anyone uh because i knew that if i told anyone that i fell down the stairs that i probably wouldn't get to go see the show which again i had seen the night before (laughs) uh i was just insane and wanted to watch this and see performing and like i saw my dad in plays and more musicals Um, And then once I got into uh, high school, uh, well, in elementary school, after I had seen him for a while, I did a production of Seussical, where I played a Who. Mm -hmm. Uh, And then I kind of like, there isn't a lot of uh, work for a young child in community theater, especially in a small town. So it kind of like drifted off for a bit. and then y'all didn't
1: have Annie like every week showing? No. Oh, man. No,
0: we didn't. Uh, And so like uh, a few years down the road in high school, my sophomore year of high school, uh, they were doing uh, Les Mis. And so I uh, decided, me and a couple of my friends decided that we were going to audition. And we got in and it kind of reignited my love of that side of performance. Uh, I mean like in starting in fifth grade, I had started doing band, um, played, ended up playing saxophone and then bassoon and then, uh, marimba. All right. Um, I think that's it. I yes. didn't know
1: you had percussion chops.
0: I wouldn't say. <laughs> I was a section leader, but like it was a Beatrice. Um, <laughs>
1: okay.
0: Anyway, uh, and like I did choir and show choir and stuff like that. But like I doing lemes and doing these musicals because I did musicals every year after that uh, really like reignited my love for performing and being on a stage and doing things. And so uh, when we uh, when it got to be. You know junior senior year, I decided like, oh, I kind of want to do this as a career. My mm-hmm. choir teacher actually uh at one point pulled me aside and was like legitimately told me, uh, hey, like you really like this, and if you <laughs> he was it was a basically a hey, you're good at this, and if you want to do this." I think you could succeed doing performance professionally um, in some capacity. And so that really helped cement my decision that like, oh, I want to do music and performance, mm-hmm. which first I uh, I first decided that I want to do musical theater. Uh, started my common application for a bunch of schools out East. Uh, you know, your Carnegie Mellon's, your Michigan's your
1: Eastman,
0: your Eastman's, um, <laughs> your Ithaca colleges. Uh, and I, fun fact, kids, uh, look up the, uh, correct application deadlines because fun fact, uh, for a lot of performance degrees, the application deadline is earlier because they have to schedule auditions. So that's what happened to me is because I was like, I like had a figured out a bunch of time. Common app wasn't due until December 1st. It was like Mm -hmm. November 5th or something. Uh, I had just like was getting my stuff in a group uh, and was about to send off an email to my guidance counselor that like, Hey, I need my, you know, preliminary transcripts, stuff like that. Uh and I decided on a whim to just kind of like go back and check deadlines to be able to tell him when oh. I needed it. And, uh, it turns out that the deadline for the performance degrees for the application was November 1st. Mm, um, yikes. Anyway, so that mourned that had a breakdown, uh, and then decided like, okay, wasn't meant to be, uh, went to, And then decided, like, I'll stay closer to home, which meant that I was going to go to either, um, the university, once I had narrowed stuff down, kind of, um, by the spring of my senior year, it was decided that I would go go to, um, the University of Nebraska, Lincoln, uh, or Nebraska-Westland, also in Lincoln, um, and both of them for vocal performance, not musical theater. Mm -hmm. Um, and I kind of sat with that decision and, uh, you know, like did all the college visits, you know, met with faculty, Mm -hmm. did, uh, you know, sample lessons, auditions, scholarship stuff, uh, and decided on, April 1st which uh, there's a story behind that too uh Mm -hmm. (laughs) decided that I was going to go to to UNL the main reason was I knew at Westland which is a smaller school that by the time like I am pretty confident in my ability um and I knew the culture there that if I by the time I was a junior at least I would either be getting anything that I wanted and anything I auditioned for because it's a small school, no grad program. um, And so I'd get everything I wanted or uh, if they didn't, you know, if they preferred other people over me, then I would be getting absolutely nothing and have no opportunities. Whereas I knew that at Nebraska, it was higher risk, higher reward of Mm -hmm. they have a grad program. So I knew grad students would get priority for roles and things. Yeah. Um, I knew that it was, uh, kind of, uh, kind of playing a game to try and get into a voice studio with a professor that they had a lot of grad students taking on students, uh, undergrad students. Um, and I knew I would have to fight for everything, that I got at u n l uh which was appealing to me because I knew that it was what would best um set me up for being in the you the know
1: real performance right professional
0: yeah. space trying to like fight for jobs, mm-hmm. having to audition for things. Having a thicker skin of
1: having to stab people in the front and the back, yeah, you
0: know, uh, at the same time, <laughs> bring
1: bringing shifts. It's, <laughs> <laughs> do you? So you said specifically you chose to do vocal performance over music theater. Is there a reason? What what was that? Uh, the reason was uh,
0: after I didn't get into, or I didn't end up applying for oh. <laughs> all these musical theater programs. Mm-hmm. Um, I decided and realized that. Uh, my, I was pretty confident in my acting. Like I knew it would need some work, mm-hmm. but I knew that my, uh, voice, I had a lot of good natural talent there, but I knew that I needed more skill in that. Mm-hmm. Uh, or so I thought, uh, fun fact, when you get to college, you learn that, uh, you need work in everything. Uh, but (laughs) that's why I decided I'm like, I can uh, supplement my acting stuff through my, you know, yeah. Music, Uh, which is all in all true with my experience. Like I wish I had more acting experience, but like the thing with music performance is that you also have to work on your acting and performance capabilities as a like realistic performer. Mm -hmm. Um, and so that was basically it was that I decided that the best route for me was to intensively study my voice and have that down pat. Mm-hmm. Um, especially because I wanted to try and be a versatile performer. Yeah. Um, which looking back, I don't know if I would take that same path if I knew it now, even mm-hmm. if I think that it was the right choice. Um, knowing what I know now about how like, regimented a lot of the program is yeah um and not just specifically UNL's program it's just kind of a system-wide thing Mm -hmm. in all of uh teaching
1: yeah well neat so now that you're in your sixth year and final we we we, please (laughs) (laughs) what what is it that like as as you've gone through school like what is it that you've kind of seen grown from and how has it like informed like what you're thinking you want to be doing as soon as you're done like how how do you think that's shaping it my time in school
0: has really helped inform me i basically when i came into college i had the plan of uh i'm going to go four years in school Mm -hmm. and then go right on to get a master's and then go right on to get a doctorate. Yeah. That was my plan. I'm like, that's the route that everyone that I have talked to and everything I've researched is the way to work it as a professional vocalist, as a professional singer. Um, especially in classical. Uh, and then in the back of my mind, I'm also like, well, there's also the possibility of like just doing my undergrad and like moving out to one of the larger cities, one of the, mm-hmm. which throughout my undergrad. Both of those have been kind of held in a dichotomy of like, which one will I do, which I still don't know the answer right now. I am pretty certain that I will not be immediately going on to a grad school, mm-hmm. um, which is partially Partially, it is because I've spent six years in undergrad. So it's almost like you did undergrad in grad
1: school, right? Uh, <laughs> Though not really. not exactly, but yeah. But
0: like as far as time, time wise, it's been, I've spent six years in a program.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Um, but also, uh, like seeing what a master's program and a doctorate program can give you, I'm not sure if that is what. I personally need right now. Mm-hmm. Um, like eventually I might want to go and get a master's and a doctor doctorate, mm-hmm. but also I know that most of my reasoning for wanting to get those degrees is to possibly teach at a collegiate level, mm-hmm. um, which is unfortunate that that is kind of a requirement to do those. Um, yeah. but more so I just have looked at how a lot of programs are structured and I was a, I'm a bachelor of music student. Uh, so, uh, basically That's me. <laughs> I, uh, I got into a lot. Uh, I took a lot of graduate level classes. Um, had to take, uh, art song classes, um, vocal pedagogy, uh, stuff like that, that I was able to kind of see the education that my um, grad student peers were getting. And it's not that it was, it's not that the education that y'all are getting is Mm -hmm. not valuable, Mm -hmm. but the way that things are structured, I know that it's not what I
1: need. Yeah. We want to go more into like, what What do you mean? Do you have some vague examples um, <laughs> or like, yeah, I just, the way that
0: through my time in school, it's really become clear to me how like the, the way that the classical music world is set up right now, especially academia is set up for a system that existed 50 years ago.
1: That's pretty generous.
0: Uh, (laughs) uh, We're like, yeah, that is very generous. Uh, More 50 years ago. We're more uh, like 70 years, like 1950s.
1: 50 years ago was you got a few
0: years till Chernobyl. Like, <laughs> uh, I do forget that we aren't in the year two thousand, uh, so I can't be like, "Oh yeah, fifty years ago." Fair, was music
1: 1915. history books think we are. But yeah, keep
0: going. <laughs> uh, anyway, but I, the structure of it is just not, from what I have seen, something that is that valuable. Like we're, especially in like a lot of the, uh courses that I've seen uh like in one of our classes on art song mm-hmm. we had um a wide array this is my opinions uh I want to put that out there uh <laughs> and uh I do not speak for the uh Daniel Pama podcast <laughs> uh,
1: uh music currency music currency
0: <laughs> um We had basically the the gist of it is that we're upholding a system that was built by and for uh, straight cis white men uh, of like through an entire class. There was I think I went down the list of like, you know, dozens of uh, people that we could composers that we could do projects on. And I think there were, like, five or six women, maybe. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, uh, like, being generous, I think three people of color. Mm-hmm. One black person, which was Harry T. Burley. um, And it was just a system that, like, It's just become clear to me that, like, a, we look at the, like, especially academia and in the classical world as, like, a meritocracy of, like, the most talented or, um, the, uh, you know, most skilled person is the Mm -hmm. one that, like, gets the job or, um, goes and, um, you know, gets published in journals or gets the professorship, stuff Mm -hmm. like that. But especially like performance based stuff, like, and it's like performance. For performance stuff on stage, you're casting people for roles. You want someone that looks the part that you want and sounds the part that you want and is able to do it. However, a lot of those systems are very outdated and not applicable to a world that we live in now where you know genres of music are so vast but also like through my time here I've seen a lot of more convergence of people doing you know like you like doing mm-hmm. jazz and uh classical and um getting into CCM stuff Mm
1: -hmm.
0: like there's a lot more people that are branching out into different styles Um, I mean like there are people that are performing on Broadway that are doing you know also performing at the Met Mm -hmm. in different roles um,
1: and vice versa Mm -hmm. Uh, it's funny that you mentioned that specifically actually because I remember you'd mentioned before, this was in our test run, but you'd mentioned that like, when you kind of came down to looking at the programs, it was usually like a choice between either you're an opera person or you're a music theater person because they don't combine. But like you just said, now you have people that are hopping back and forth Mm -hmm. because in like reality, that's not always how it works out. People are choosing you based on who you know, what the role is they want fulfilled, what the sound is they want, all this sort of stuff. And especially now that like, if you have a newer opera that's being written using more modern ideas of like commercial music sounds as well, especially, you're going to start pulling people. Even if it's just an opera that like pulls more heavily from musical theater, right? You're going to start pulling from the music theater people that have been doing music theater more often to sing in your opera, right? You know, like if you needed hip hop, like if Lin Manuel wrote an opera, <sighs> I, sh- I shudder at the thought. But if he but if he wrote an opera, because that's that's the closest thing a lot of classical people have to hip hop. If he wrote, if he had, a, if he wrote an opera, right? Like, they would be looking for people that like actually knew hip hop, knew how what a flow was, right. like actually understood the concept of flow and doing these different metric reorganizations and doing all of the types of rhyming that's required for a usually fairly basic level rap, <laughs> you know? Like up to more advanced kind of stuff, right? It's not like they're gonna kick down the door to ask for like Black Alicious or something to come in or <laughs> or for even like common or anyone like that to come and do a stream of consciousness something. But like that is like you're gonna pick based on the role that you need. You're gonna pick based on the sound that you know someone can provide. And now that the sounds are merging and blending so much, and have really blended for you know decades right. now, easily decades, you know, um, and especially more notice noticeably, it's harder to say like, well, this one track is exactly what you're gonna need to do exactly what it is that you want, that, right. you, that you need or whatever. The, you're gonna have to be exclusively on one, like on one side of these tracks, of which there are like thousands, you know. But yeah, it's that that's a real crazy thing too. And like you <clears throat> like you said, like originally you were like, Well, I really like music theater, but then there's also opera, and I can't necessarily do both. <laughs> but like, what have you been doing like even here in the shows? Have you only been doing operas and only been doing musicals? Right.
0: My I've been doing, you know, musicals throughout the time that I've been here, both through the university and uh through community theaters around here. Um, but like even with that, and I've been lucky that Bill Shomos, my now former teacher, um, mm-hmm. who I love dearly, uh, has been very open to um new ideas and to um CCM stuff, although I haven't ever worked on anything and lessons with that because he very clearly does not have a lot of the skill set <clears throat> to um teach that. Mm-hmm. Um and like I've brought in some uh musical theater stuff for him uh and CCM stuff. Um and it's been great, mm-hmm. but you can tell that a lot of the uh notes that he gives on it are far more um <clears throat> like approaching things from a classical perspective Mm -hmm. um, or um, when it's something that you can't approach from a classical perspective, it's far more based in um, character and performance Mm -hmm. um, and delivery of it rather than in a technical aspect. Yeah. Um, So like even within the – like I've been very grateful and lucky that I have been able to – like keep up my musical theater chops and expand them. Yeah. Um, but like outside of the one musical theater class that I take Mm -hmm. a year, um, I've really not ever had any time to like study, um, in a musical theater or CCM style.
1: Mm -hmm. Yeah. So, now, this kind of goes into my thought of how do you see, like, the u- like the purpose of the degree then? Like, <clears throat> first of all, do you see it as different from what you thought it was initially? Like, the purpose of your undergrad degree even for vocal performance? Do you see, like, do you think, like, when you came in, it was like, this is why I'm getting this and this is the goal? And has it stayed about the same or has it changed or have, has it, like, kind of grown or what? I think it's kind of come around full circle
0: in some ways of like, I kind of came in with this like very Pollyanna idea of like, you know, I get to come in and like research all of these like different composers and this music and like learn all of this stuff. uh, And that's so exciting. And I'm going, it's going to like help set me up to be successful. Mm -hmm. And then you get kind of into a lull a couple years down and, Which also didn't help me that I uh, the reason that I am six years into a four year degree program is because I am depressed and anxious. Uh, And so it kind of got me off track with (laughs) three progress. But like even in the midst of that, like. Even taking that out of account. um, I. Kind of in the middle, got a bit disillusioned with like what am I even studying this for? And like, mm-hmm. there are still times where I get that. Like, yeah. What is the purpose of me going to school to learn all of this rather than just like moving to New York and taking voice lessons with someone? Mm-hmm. Um, And like, there are some very valuable things. Like I having a basic, basic music theory knowledge is very handy to me to be able to be like, oh, okay, I can like, identify what kind of is happening with this or like, um, know when something is off now, do I think that it's necessary for me to be able to do a full harmonic analysis of a new piece with Roman numerals? Not really. Mm -hmm. Do I think it's more valuable to do things that I didn't necessarily learn? Like being able to, um, like immediately pick up on, um, different, scales outside of you know uh like there's no in our musical music theory we have no like um no jazz uh basis at all which like is fair like you have to kind of have a cut off some point of what you're going to teach but like if you gave me a um piece of music I would have to like sit down and like go through a pretty thorough harmonic analysis to be able to like pinpoint what is happening harmonically, Mm -hmm. which is partially just how my brain works. Um, but also things like, um, with different like repertoire classes, I've thought of like, you know, what is the value of me? Um, you know, learning how to do this thorough research into a singular composer Um, Instead of, like, discussing a wide range of composers, um, being able to, like, you know, know, have a wider breadth of knowledge to extract from instead of going into, you know, 30 Schubert songs.
1: Mm -hmm. Um, And do you think, and, and this is something that, like, I've even considered and thought about a lot is that like from my perspective and as you mentioned like cuz i i am by no means exclusively one genre of musician i'm a musician mm-hmm. and arguably i'm branching out into the idea of just saying i'm an artist mm-hmm. because for me at least everything connects like when i started doing music i was like the reason I want to be a musician and one of the biggest reasons is so I can provide inspiration to other people and show the connecting points between like classical and country music and then hip hop and then 20s jazz and then like gamelan music and then J-pop, like all of this stuff, right? right? Which I listened to all of that, right? Um, and I found value in all of it. And I thought, you know, all music is valuable and therefore I want to foster a way for people to learn about that. You know, that's, that's kind of what I came into. But as such, with what you were saying, like, do you think that it's like, for instance, saying like all Schubert, like learning just all Schubert, all Schubert, all Schubert Mm -hmm. in your, (laughs) in, in, in a certain class or, or in set of lessons or whatever does that, what What would you think would be the alternative? Do you think it would just be better to cut, like, I think personally, of course, that it would be better just like expand as far out as possible, but that's not reasonable for everyone and not everyone needs to do that, you know? But like, what What do you kind of see, perceive as the benefit to not exclusively just focusing in on just one or two composers, but rather trying to get as wide of an understanding as possible, even within classical space? Having a wider
0: understanding On one hand, um, part of this conversation that I don't know, don't think we'll have time to really get into is that, um, also in my time in undergrad, I've really had to sit with the idea of like, what is classical music? Mm -hmm. Um, one of the um, podcasts I listened to the host Garrett McQueen, um, he, uh, refers to it as so-called classical music. Yeah. Um, and like this idea of like, you know, why do we uphold this as you know classical which connotes this um you know a tradition a mm-hmm. like legacy
1: mm-hmm. um like origins is right where,
0: where everything comes from yeah i uh, why do we uphold this as classical what we do um but like you wouldn't hold the same thing for like a classic piece of r&b or mm-hmm. um jazz is starting to kind of creep in. Mm -hmm. But even with that, it's the jazz of like the Gershwins. Mm -hmm. It's people that like specifically tried to compose as like classical musicians that had like a lot of jazz Mm -hmm. influences. And
1: I would say too, I mean, to that, to that point, arguably, because I remember for a little bit of time I got, well, I, I still love, I love jazz, but like, I remember when I first started getting into jazz, the thought went into my mind. I was like, jazz is the new classical, you know? Because, like, it's the basis, not entirely, right? It's not entirely the basis. Like, But, like, once the 20s hit, especially by the time you get to the 40s, pop music was in the... Was jazz or jazz-influenced, maybe blues-influenced, right? Mm-hmm. So, or at least in America, like, in the U.S. Right. Like, that's that's what it was. And so... If you have those, like, those things, like, for sure, the Gershwins especially, and people like them, like, were trying to, uh, who was it? It was, a uh, not Mueller. Gunther Schuller. There we go. Mm. Gunther Schuller. Um, <clears throat> like, people like that who were trying to blend the classical idea and ideals into jazz, right? right combining idioms. Make one thing, right? And it, it was popular for, like, a couple seconds uh birth of the cool shout out um but like (laughs) for for most of the time it just kind of passed on and they just divided more right you got more genres and that kind of stuff and so like now you have like you were saying jazz is creeping into the classical right Mm -hmm. and for the more classical like mindset of things like you have like you'll you'll throw in gershwin You'll throw, it, throw in Bernstein, <laughs> right? When I You'll, say that jazz is
0: yeah. becoming classical, yeah. I'm not talking about like current like, jazz yeah. or even like 60s or 70s jazz. I'm talking yeah. like 1920s jazz yeah. that's Straight now up. going now going to be put on like as a one shot on a classical program as an encore. Yeah, and it's going to be like um, La en Rose, mm-hmm. yeah, or like an Edith. Yeah. Page.
1: Something that everyone loves because Louis played and sang it or something. Right. It's a very, like, classical ballad
0: mm-hmm. that yeah. has, like, again, is more bridging these idioms. Yeah.
1: Um, I would say, though, too, with that, that I think just by the fact that they do, that jazz is taught in more traditional schools now, mm-hmm. a good, good chunk of them, has allowed for real real jazz to <laughs> real jazz lots of air quotes in this yeah i'm thinking <laughs> music's so hilarious art's so hilarious because like there's no like it's all subjective but like real jazz is being taught in schools rather than exclusively just the mm-hmm. Gershwin or Gunther Schuller or Bernstein anything like that like actual like jazz jazz is being taught in schools now too mm-hmm. which for me classical music is really just the music that is from a certain time period you I would I would argue 50 years and earlier maybe 100 but I really strongly argue it's 50 years ago and earlier is what classical music like the time period should be the problem is that like the way that people used to describe music or one of the many one of the problems is that like people used to describe music based on their eras like mm-hmm. in their times, right? In the same way that you would do with a lot of art, like visual art, right? right? Like you have the classical, you have the romantic period, you have Baroque, you have da 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 and medieval, and you have all of these things. And so like for a while, you could be like, well, Baroque period music was just like Baroque period art because in Baroque period, you have all these fancy filigrees on all these right. buildings and all this, and everyone was into very little details and really expanding off little ideas. Cool, and that's what was across the board great but here's the problem that happened in germany france italy especially like that's what we focus on at least uh in these in the classes right right and and that was pretty consistent but that's also because technology was not such that communication was fast right like each of those eras shrank and shrank and shrank as as technology and communication especially took off the faster the communication became the faster, better technology got, the shorter every all of those eras became because like where if you were trying to listen to Haydn or someone before it would take weeks months to get to where he was then hear him, Hopefully, if you were lucky, get a copy of his score or right. write it down yourself after listening to it and having to memorize bits of it. So you didn't probably remember the whole thing. Right. But thankfully, Haydn was writing like a symphony a week for the Esterhazys, So he was <laughs> so all of his music was more or less the same except for a few very key parts. Like he was just ripping himself off left and right just to get projects done which is cool is fine it, oh, uh, yeah. i wish that was more encouraged honestly honestly self-plagiarism go for it uh, I... arguably other plagiarism iffy <laughs> like but like still <laughs> it, like inspiration like <laughs> you know but <laughs> quoting yeah quoting. You know, you know, but like now like music periods and eras happen in a matter of years like five years maybe Or less, you know, there are composers that
0: span like not even just like one or two periods, but like three periods of music, uh, Mm -hmm. in like what would we would realistically call periods of music. Um, I think it's also been helpful to me of like me trying through my undergrad. I've also been trying to restructure clearly the way that I think about classical music. Um, Mm -hmm. And one of the ways that I try to think about it is like, oh, it's classical music. music. (laughs) Yes. Um, It's a, um, it's a continuation of the, like you said, it's all classical music is, is a continuation of the uh, European musical tradition, Mm
1: -hmm.
0: which in itself is sort of reductive as like, other cultures have fully taken up
1: Mm -hmm.
0: classical music styles. I mean, like you aren't going to hear many JRPGs that don't have a like full orchestral score Mm -hmm. Um, and have their own distinctive sound, but you can hear a lot of the influence of, which like gets into a whole colonization talk, but like, um,
1: we're going to have another episode.
0: I think it's going to be the move, but just thinking of like, this is a very specific, which also got me through musical theory of like, why am I learning about, you know, a Neapolitan sixth chord or how to differentiate, uh, augmented sixth chords, um, is like, this is just a very specific, especially with music theory. Music theory is very specifically a, um, study of like, romantic era practices. And then you just like make stuff to kind of fit around that and to use that same structure. Like, you know,
1: yeah. And I don't like, I mean, there's a few people that like it, probably the people that are like using it as its intended purpose. Right. Mm -hmm. But like the problem I run into and you've run into like pretty much any modern music students run into is the fact that, like, you can't practically apply that to any music that you're listening to or or that you're just regularly listening to unless it's that time period. Like, modern music, I don't, like, choose any pop song on the radio. Well, any pop song on the radio right now is based mostly on bass lines and trap beats and, and rhythm, so it won't really work because um, it's mostly hip-hop, at least here in the U.S. Um, but even if, because right now I'm listening to fairly current, like, J-pop, uh, listen to some K-pop for a whole day, listen to BTS, some of their old stuff, uh, listen listening to some French pop, right? And listening to all of those things and listening to their influences and then trying to, if I were to do like a harmonic analysis, I would break down or at least a classical style one. Right. Because th- even if there's a similar chord, it functions entirely differently.
0: Right. They're thinking of, I mean, and this is not taking away from like pop musician, mm-hmm. like writers, yeah, uh, most of the time they aren't thinking about like, you know, here's a, you know, I'm going to do a one chord into a, you know, four chord, mm-hmm. uh, like, or they aren't trying to think of like, oh, I can't do that. It's a retrogression. That's mm-hmm. more important is they aren't trying to think of like, oh, I can't go from a, you know, D minor chord to a C major chord. Because None of those
1: parallel fifths and octaves. Right.
0: Yeah. Uh, cause they're just like, I'm doing what sounds good. Mm-hmm. And like, there is a lot more thought that goes into that. But yeah. like, that's the basic of it, which is also the basis, like Brahms and Schubert weren't thinking, you know, oh, I need to go to a five chord before I go to this one chord. Mm-hmm. They were just doing what sounded good and what was common practice. Um mm-hmm. uh, it's just very I also think that this basis in again with education you kind of have to like cut off at some certain points. Mm-hmm. Like you can't teach everything. There comes a point where an education becomes too wide of a scope yeah. that you can't like specialize in anything. However, like um I mentioned this uh having just finished music theory. Um, the end of UNL's music theory courses. Um their basic undergrad music theory courses is we spend time with, um, non, um, I'm not going to think of how to refer to them actually technically, but like, well, love that. Computer's muted. Uh, <laughs> um, like, uh, Unconventional scores, unconventional mm-hmm. music, like experimental music, um, John yeah. Cage, uh, Milton
1: Babbitt. Um, oh, shoot. I had a thought about that just now when you said experimental <laughs> music. What? We're going to have multiple episodes, but like when I think about like Cage, Babbitt, all these kind of things, the experimental music, right? It didn't stop there, obviously. Right. Right. And a lot of the te- any of the techniques that like permeated into the mainstream and have like continued to mm-hmm. be used right sound so different right like you could argue i, I wouldn't entirely argue it but like you could argue m- with a decent degree of success that like that kind of stuff just found itself into like the electronic music EDM stage mm-hmm. and if you say that Listen to what EDM sounds like right now. There's so many different styles, so many different ways. Right. Trap was so popular for about a year. Well, I'm thankful. Oh, man, that, that was a fine year until everything sounded just the same. Right. You know? Which is but, what happens. <clears throat> it's exactly what happens, music. and that's when you swap. But, like, EDM does not sound, and it's electronic music. It does not sound like the electronic music of the 50s, 60s, 70s. Right. It doesn't at all. And because the music moves in waves and does all this sort of stuff and things that you would not necessarily consider classical now for sure, probably have some dabbling influences in classical, like even here or there just by sheer merit of the fact that it happened before.
0: Right. And different, like, you know, uh, innovations and things like beyond just like, Oh, we're going to like make a new instrument or like to things of like cage, like, yeah, I'm going to like write a piece of music for a bathtub. Mm-hmm. Um but anyway, so our last our last assignment for that class is what is music. And we have to write a paper <laughs> on hilarious. what music is and we have like debates in class about what constitutes music. They'll put up like uh um John Cage. Um I think it's just aria. Mm. Um which is um shape notation of music oh, it, 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 where you, you have like have to see it. different colors that have different colors of the voice all mm-hmm. that and it's very much like the performer decides what it means what each like color and shape means mm-hmm. um and so the question is like you know is this music and i i got very heated in these discussions um mm-hmm. because and it's not for the fault of anyone that I took the class with love all y'all. Um, but like, it's just the way that our system is defined. And we have studied music that like we're built to, um, not we as people, we as students of music are built Mm -hmm. to look at things through that, you know, common era practice. Mm -hmm. Um, lens and so people will look at like oh i'm not going to think of who wrote the piece um but it's like a piece of electronic music mm-hmm. um where it's uh two uh warring frequencies oh mm-hmm. um and so the question is is that music and of course a lot of people are like no it's not because like <laughs> for x y like it doesn't have rhythm and <clears throat> things like that and i'm like
1: mm-hmm.
0: i mean does like cages 433 have rhythm
1: doesn't mm-hmm. have
0: a sound is that music um and so i very famously in that class took a very dadaist perspective mm-hmm. of like if someone says it's music it's music you yeah. got music um but i also am like and like the purpose of what we do in that is like is to try and break what has yeah. been foundational because that's the way that our music theory is structured is that uh, the last semester of our four semester theory courses um, is all um, we start off with Debussy, like um, chromaticism and then go into like Ives and Mm -hmm. then finally into like Cage and Babbitt and experimental music. Um, And so it's meant to break that, but I'm like, the way that we we have structured this makes us, like, basically averse to the idea that anything outside of this is
1: mm-hmm. music. And it's funny, too, because at those same times, if you just hop to jazz, it's a whole different sound. Right. It's a whole different sound, and arguably, a good chunk of it is more pleasing to listen to across the board than what's going on there. Or if you hop over, especially into the pop area, right? Like, <clears throat> for as long as swing was the popular music, right? That's pretty pretty straight ahead, pretty pleasing to listen to most of the time. Like, you can't really go wrong right? most of the time. And so in a situation where you have something like that and then you might be like, well, let's hear what Ives is doing, people will choose, like, jazz of the time over Ives. Oh yeah. I love
0: Ives. Same. It is, it's not for everyone. No. Uh, and that's not me being like pretentious of like, you just don't understand this.
1: (laughs) This is me fully,
0: (laughs) fully knowing that like I like listening to Ives. I will like very specifically put on myself, like put on some Ives, Mm -hmm. but like, this is not what everyone wants yeah. to listen to, and it's only because of my very specific yeah. experiences. It's like me like, trying Ooh. to listen to
1: free jazz. Like, you, you don't need to listen to free, like super out there avant-garde jazz. Like, you don't need to do it. I, <laughs> n- you don't. Most need of to my do music it. recommendations, I'm just like, yeah. you should listen to this once. Yeah, like you don't <laughs> have to do it. Like, I listen to Coltrane's A Love Supreme, which you need to check mm. out if you haven't already. I don't know if I've already told you about it or if you've already heard it. I've heard it a while ago full 20 minutes long. sounds like you don't know like like they're tuning almost the whole time right and then there's a second take (laughs) 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 where they do about the same thing but like it's completely free draft free jazz and people hate it straight up people hate that which is fair (laughs) yeah I hate late Coltrane which is fair like absolutely it's it's music that got real experimental, right? And some people really liked the idea because they were tracking with it. Others tracked with it, still didn't like it, right? And then some of the people that tracked with it and liked it then took little bits of it and turned it into something new. Right. You know? And something that commercially was more acceptable and more pleasing to people. You know? That's that's what happened with like <clears throat> with Cage, with experimental classic experimental classical stuff, you mm-hmm. know? And so like Running into, kind of like to the point that we're kind of getting around, like, if you look at the way that it's structured in the school, right, and you look at even from the exclusively classical perspective, like, to cut off at like the 50s, to cut off maybe if you're lucky at the 70s, right, where classical's kind of shifted again, right, but now the shifts are not happening in 100, 150 year eras, it's happening in 10 year increments, right, so it's the as soon as uh 19th 20th century shows up right soon as the 20th century shows up you're in like 10 year increments of era change and then fewer and fewer and fewer like right and those you miss out
0: it depends on who you're asking of who is included in all of these exactly
1: you,
0: I'm you will have people fighting on if um, Bernstein was <laughs> a musical theater composer <laughs> or a uh classical composer just like you'll have people that will argue if um gershwin mm-hmm. is a um classical composer jazz composer <laughs> <musical> <laughs> the theater. jazz people
1: will say absolutely no right <laughs> and I'm... the classical people are like what do you mean <laughs>
0: and right the classical people will also have absolutely no mm-hmm. because they're like oh no that's that's jazz mm-hmm. we're just playing it because it's you know ca- it's kind of classical mm-hmm. i and then musical theater is just like, yeah, that's that's one of the bases. That
1: sounds. Uh, I heard a flute in there. I, I heard a flute. You could you could probably belt this. <laughs> I bet you I bet you a nickel I could belt it. <laughs> now just imagine someone belting "Summertime." Oh my! Oh, oh, oh. I just got done with some gigs and my voice is almost back. I don't need. Oh, oh, yuck. That, that sounds hilarious. I can't wait to do it. <laughs> but yeah, freaking, yeah, I've already decided, like we have both collectively decided, in fact, that this is going to be a multi-part oh, yeah. episode set. But like, so we've gotten, in, started to get really into the meat of this, right? Of mm-hmm. the idea that like, the music education that we're getting, it's not bad right no like, and it has its love purpose. you and L. thank you for all you've done yeah like i i've loved my time and continue to love it right mm-hmm. being in school because i'm about just learning and growing right and expanding but like <clears throat> when we've seen now and i guess we'll talk a little bit more in depth on like exactly the specific a few more of the specific issues but like where we see now that like if you go through the education route of the Of music, right? Mm -hmm. You start to realize that, like, there's a lot of... There's a big gap between the 1950s and 2021. Right. Right. Like, there's a huge gap between it. Right. The education structure is not keeping up with the uh, current trends. That's right. Uh (laughs) And, like, you can say you're being current, right? But there's different ways to view the currency, you know? <laughs> there's different ways to view it. Because you can say, I'm being current and up-to-date with my knowledge of Baroque music. Well, the convenient thing for you, uh, oh, friend of mine that is studying and performing Baroque music, is that Baroque music isn't going to change. It has already been solidified as a time Right, and you place. can just,
0: you know, try and, like, find better sources on, like, common practice of it. Mm-hmm. Or, um even expand that common practice into like what happens if we use contemporary techniques on this stuff like that. But that's not changing. Whereas, you know, we are already so far behind in what we are teaching Mm -hmm. for current students to go into a current musical
1: Mm -hmm. climate and environment. Yeah. If, and I see it this way because I think part of the problem is that composers have to be on, on the pulse Mm -hmm. composition students have to be on the pulse of what's actually going on in music, even if it's current classical European right style, right? Like if they're, they have to be on the current pulse of what's going on with that. Whereas the performers, even educators, some as well, like, are focusing so much more retrospectively mm-hmm. on they're at that 50 year cutoff usually. And in some places, maybe they'll hop a little bit more forward, but they'll usually dip back. And so as such, the risk is run then that the composers will still be progressing and pushing forward the art form while the performers are constantly playing a game of catch up. Right. And for us as vocalists, like that's the one thing that really affects us, you know, because we have to learn how how to make our instrument work with sounds that we haven't really practiced and don't necessarily have a strong understanding of. Right. And whereas, like, the technique for a trumpeter, like, yeah, you got to use your lips and breath support and whatever and your fingers. Like, the sounds coming from the trumpet and, like, the instrument itself, right, as long as you've got the chops and whatever, the instrument will take damage right? That's mm-hmm. the thing that'll take damage as long as your technique is fine. But for a vocalist, if you're working and flushing stuff out and you're expected to do it at a high skill level and you haven't had the practice and haven't had the time to get it into your body and understand, you run the risk of harming your actual body. Like right. you, you your lose instrument your voice. Is yourself. Yeah. You are your own instrument. And so you run the risk of like getting hurt. Like a classical vocalist, one, isn't usually asked to sing pop of any sort isn't asked to sing rock isn't asked to sing gospel like real gospel <laughs> right like they're not asked to do that stuff or even to belt a lot of the time because it will hurt them I know, if they do it wrong i
0: know many classical teachers that specifically tell their students not to belt which partially some classical teachers do it because they know i can't teach this mm-hmm. and so i you aren't going to be able to do it healthily I know that there are some classical teachers that that very specifically think that it is unhealthy in every which way that you do it. And I'm like that if you if that wasn't healthy, you wouldn't have like professionals doing it for decades. Right.
1: Yeah. You wouldn't have people doing it for decades. And it's not because they're like Stevie Wonder or The Weeknd or something that's a or Ray Charles, who's like a freak of nature singing always in B major or something Right. (laughs) but like you've. There are many different ways you can manipulate the voice. You can manipulate any instrument, right? Mm -hmm. But especially where it comes to the voice, because of us, practically speaking, like there's many different ways you can manipulate the instrument so that in a healthy way, you can produce the sound that you want. And I think that was the knock, so we'll wrap it up. But in a healthy way, you can produce the sound that you want because at the end of the day, for any instrument, anything that you do... (laughs) I say it this way because I find it funny. You're fighting against the inevitable, which is your body breaking down. Right. A pianist will get carpal tunnel one day. Maybe they won't, but like they're predisposed to having that if they're not careful, right? That's that's what will happen. Most any instrumentalist that plays with their fingers like this, you know? Like saxophonists get saxophone neck. Like it's mm-hmm. a thing. Like, <laughs> right. But like you do your best to maintain the best body shape and relaxation and all these techniques so that you stave off the inevitable. And so that's kind of, that's, that's a big chunk of where the issue lies is like, you can't, if you're not up to date on what's actually going on in music, ignoring the money aspect of things of relevance, right. Of how do you make sure that you are at least relevant when, especially in the classical space, it's the least cared about, genre in the u.s right like how do you make yourself known give yourself an audience provide yourself with an audience provide yourself with a living doing the thing that you love right do we have to all become bankers just so that we can support our habit right like we shouldn't have to um and but is there a way to do it maybe right let's find it out uh, on our next chat though so that was a that was a good time it was great Fantastic! Thank
0: you all for listening.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Catch us in part two, probably after I, we do a couple more episodes or something. Eventually. Who, who knows? We, it might just hop in and out and I'll have to remember. But good stuff. Peace. <laughs>